Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, welcome to I've Never Said This Before with me, Tommy D'Addario. Today's guest is the brilliant actress Marie Avgeropoulos, known for being the heroine warrior Octavia Blake in the hit Warner Brothers seven-season show The Hundred, where she would be sprinting through vast evergreen rainforests in a dystopian post-apocalyptic world fighting for her survival aka she is a total badass (laughs) if you haven't seen the hundred it is a fantastic binge-worthy show that the internet has crowned as one of the greatest tv shows of all time and marie is a huge part of that greatness today marie opens up about so many different topics things like what it was actually like playing an intense character in such a high-stakes show to how the darkness of her character was all-consuming while she was on set to sharing defining moments where she personally developed a warrior mentality. Oh, and also that one time Stephen King sent her a surprising tweet. Yes, very casual, being tweeted by the king of horror. Listen, you can't help but walk away feeling like you too want to channel your inner badass after listening to this conversation today. Oh, it was such a blast. So, Let's see if today we can get Marie to say something that she's never said before. Marie Avgeropoulos, how are you, my friend? I'm good. It's so nice to see you again. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so good to see you. First of all, I could say your last name like 75 times in a row. I love it so much. I think you're one of the only people that I can count on one hand that hasn't butchered it. So I appreciate that. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's so beautiful. Now, before we dive into all of the goodness around the hundred, you have one of the most interesting Instagram bios that I've come across. (laughs) And that bio is a quote. And I need some more information. You say pages from my life that won't give you paper cuts. What does that mean? Where did you come up with that? Well, the phone can't give you paper cuts and you stare at it. Mm. Right. But it's pages from my life. I don't know. I sometimes have a really dry, like dad sense of humor. So that's kind of what that's all about. 
I like that. I interpreted that as you're not going to find things here that are going to hurt you or going to make you feel bad. It's just like a feel good spot. Oh yeah, that too. Absolutely. There we go. There we go. It's so all the eye of the beholder. We're on, you and I are on the same page. We're Perfect. turning your Instagram into a philosophical study. I like it. <laughs> I don't know if I'm that deep, but I appreciate that. Well, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you on for for many reasons. One being, I know how much you mean to so many people out there, especially because of the show that you were a part of, The 100, of course. Now, for those who maybe haven't had a chance to watch the show, what would you say about The 100? How would you describe the show in your own words as a cast member? People have always said it's sort of Lord of the Flies meets Game of Thrones. And I hate always referencing other shows, but it really is. It's post-apocalyptic. It's 97 years after the Earth was destroyed by an apocalypse. And we have limited resources up in space, in the spaceship. So any crime is committable because oxygen is limited, food is limited, etc. So we're the guinea pigs. They sent 100 juvenile delinquents down to Earth to find out if it's habitable or not, because we're essentially disposable. So my crime, playing Octavia Blake on The 100 for 100 episodes, I'm very proud of that was I was the second child because there's a one child rule because there's not enough resources for everybody. So that's how the pilot sort of starts off with the bang. And then the show just morphs into so many different avenues. And we had such a great ensemble cast and writers and it was a wild ride. You played this character of Octavia for seven seasons and she had many different incarnations, right? She was a fighter, a warrior, bloodthirsty, dark, rebellious, independent. I mean, all the things that Animal. that one person can be, I guess. You played, it seems. So what was the best part playing such a vivacious role with so many layers? I really was thankful that the writers gave me a nod to my athleticism. They gave me a horse. They had me sword fighting bareback on horseback. I mean, what else could a Thunder Bay girl want? I didn't grow up with a lot of means. So, of course, having a horse is not necessarily for the, you know, blue collar kids. So when I got the opportunity on the show, I was so excited to have a four legged friend as a as a solid castmate. Also, just working with all the amazing writers and the cast. And you just never knew who was going to get killed off every week either. You might be saying goodbye to some of your friends you were working with over the years. But um, to pick favorites, the Blood Raina storyline was my complete favorite. Stephen King gave me a nod on Twitter because he thought I looked like its wife, I think, with the red <laughs> forehead and the makeup, which was probably serious. I could see that. But yeah, it's hard to pick favorites. It's like picking a favorite kid. You know, you want to be polite, but you always have that favorite. Of course, of course. And <laughs> and you mentioned something. You never knew who was going to get killed off. So did you ever think that you were going to get killed off or were you secure throughout the whole series? Did you know you would make it till the end or how, what was that like for you? Well, the beginning of my journey on the show, I did sign a seven year contract. Is this TMI? Um, wow. But they can kill anybody off they want to at any point in time. So I was I was really lucky to get that break and be at the right place at the right time and really have them meander my character into so many different people. I feel like I played about 10 different ones. And I know for a lot of actors on series, that's not the case necessarily. And they sort of get cozy in one spot in their artistry. But I never had that experience. I was I was very fortunate. Well, and that's a testament to your work because yes, even though you signed a contract for seven years, which by the way is not the norm in this industry. So good for you for them wanting <laughs> you to do that. 
they could have done anything they Thank wanted you, to Warner do. Brothers, we love you. Love yeah. Warner Brothers. Love them. But <laughs> the bottom line is they could have done anything they wanted to do. And they could have said, eh, you know what? We're kind of done with her. Let's kill her off in season five. You yeah. need it to the end. That is a testament to the work that you do. Thank you. That's very sweet. I appreciate that. And another thing that I'm so impressed by you with is you go dark and you go deep and you play those things. Whew really convincingly where do you go to get to that place how do you get to that place therapy after work <laughs> um <laughs> i could kind of be a little bit of a method actor i'm theatrically trained i went to studio 58 in vancouver british columbia canada and i reference a lot of dark things that have happened in my life and literally i can morph somebody else's face into something that happened in my life to make me talk to them instead of the character i'm talking to if i can't relate to what i'm doing in the scene with that person at the time so i have a really good imagination and i could snap into that pretty easily i don't know if it's a gift or a curse again my therapist on speed dial afterwards <laughs> just digging up all your traumas but the the 100 was a really dark show that you know, I always joke Octavia Blake smiled maybe twice in, in the entire hundred episodes that she was on the series. But yeah, it's easy for me to dig to those places because I got blessed at a young age with a good imagination. That's super impressive. And I know there was a lot of darkness in the series, but even with that being so, there was a lot of light as well. I did feel like there were moments of that that the viewers got to enjoy and kind of have a sigh of relief with. For you, what was one of your favorite moments, dark or light? that you got to play out. All right, I can think of two. Do you want to hear dark first or light first? Ooh, give me the dark first. Okay, the cannibalism scene. I don't remember the name of the episode, but that was one of my favorite ones to convince. There was about, I don't know, must have been 200 background performers that I had to convince that eating their family members was a great idea because we ran out of resources in the bunker. So our only choices were to now eat one another after they committed crimes in the bunker. I went home that night and I was like, how do I convince a room full of people that eating your brother or your sister is a great idea via cube? <laughs> and it was jello and it was very gelatinous and there was chunks in it. And I remember I had a spit bucket off camera because I convinced myself this was a great idea. And it was so incredibly messed up, but everyone was convinced it was a great idea in the room. And I just saw the background performers, because I consider them artists too, that it was the only way we could survive. So that was probably one of my favorite dark moments. My second favorite dark moment would be probably when Blood Raina fights Octavia and I got to fight myself. That was an interesting thing to do with green screens and stuff like that. And then the happy moment probably was early day Octavia where she was in the butterfly field and I had to imagine all these like CGI butterflies landing all over me and just really picture one by one. And then the the awesome special effects artists on the show just had to like follow my eyes and land hundreds of them all over me. And pretty cool. Like with the sci-fi element of the show, there's lots of special effects also with the natural element of being in the rainforest and the nitty gritty rough ruralness of it. So it was fun to have that um, juxtaposition. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, 
Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans. The chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. How do you feel like you've grown through playing the character of Octavia for all of those years? Oof, how do I feel like I've grown? Um, she taught me a lot of discipline, that's for sure, because I really had to stay on it, like physically and mentally on that show. And again, because the show was so dark, I had to really remember to do the things in my personal life to keep my moods up, because going to set some days would be really dark to tell her story accurately the way I wanted to uh, and the way the fans deserved. I can't even imagine. I mean, that's mentally, that's a lot to take on. And I know the final season came out, wasn't it May of 2020, the year of the pandemic? It was March of 2020 Yeah, on a Saturday. It was March 13th, 2020, when we finished our 100th episode of The 100. And it was very odd to me because I don't think anybody our age has ever lived through a pandemic before. So when the producers were like, okay, don't hug anybody. That's a show wrap on the hundred. There's a pandemic on the horizon. We're like, what? It was just the irony of it all. It's just, you know, when art imitates life, shooting a post-apocalyptic TV show for so many years. And then we walked the whole world, walked straight into a real life one. It was pretty surreal. So did you get closure when you wrapped this show? I mean, there was no cast party. Did you have time to like grieve the loss of this character that was a part of you for seven years? Yes and no. I was happy that we finished it with 100 episodes to put a little bow on top of the show for sure for the fans. But no, it was a very quick goodbye. But we had to do what was safe, of course, 
because it was the very beginning of the pandemic and everybody had questions and nobody knew exactly what the depth of it really meant. So when you got home, aside from being worried about the pandemic, but when you were done with the show, (laughs) you know, that little thing, but when you were done with the show and you were just kind of relaxing in your own space and taking it all in that you just completed a badass seven season run on a show, a dream that so many people have playing a role who was so much a part of you in different incarnations. I mean, where do you go from there? What did you do? How did you feel? Well, I locked myself inside for two years like everybody else did. So it was kind of an anticlimactic ending for sure. But things have been happening for me now and I'm really happy with that. I just scratched something off my bucket list. I just worked opposite John Voight in a film called The Painter. It'll be on Paramount Plus hopefully within the year. I mean, Midnight Cowboy is one of my favorite movies. So I was, I was <laughs> Classic. nervous to work with him. I have a funny story to share about that if you want to hear it. I would love to. Yes. Okay. Day one of filming, I was so nervous to work with Mr. John Voigt. And typically the sound engineer, when you go to set, they put a woman's microphone right here on your chest, under your clothing. And I did my scene with John and I thought I didn't screw it up. And then she comes up to me quietly. She's like, I, nobody can hear any of your dialogue. I'm like, well, why? I'm mic'd. She's like, because your heart is beating so fast. Are you okay? All we hear is doom, 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 doom. Because <laughs> I was so freaking nervous. My heart was beating out of my chest, so they had to move it. So that's never happened to me in my career before. But John Boyd, yeah, made my heart beat out of my chest at 84. Good for him. That's incredible. I love it. <laughs> I love hearing when seasoned pros like yourself get nervous, you know? Oh, we all get nervous. I I was nervous talking to you this morning. No, come on. For sure. That's so cool. I can't wait to watch you in that. You're such a star in everything that you shine in. And it's it's really fun to to see you from season one of the show to season seven of The 100. And I think that your growth as an actress is tremendous and your growth as a person probably as well as tremendous. Have you watched the entire series? Yeah, mostly right before Comic-Con. So I would know how to answer the interview questions correctly because I hate watching myself. I never, I don't, I don't so watch. How playback. do you get through it? I don't watch the monitors because it gives me a complex. I don't need a complex. I've got enough of them. And if I watch myself on camera, I'm like, oh, God. I know. Whenever someone says, oh, I love watching myself, I'm a little suspicious. Yeah, you're like, what is wrong with you? Are you mm-hmm. okay? No, thank you. <laughs> when you. When you look back at all of your work on The 100, what are you most proud of? Is there a moment? Is there a general theme? Like what just makes you proud of what you did with creating Octavia? I'm proud of not letting her get the best of me because I was given a massive challenge to keep her changing week by week. And the writers were always very secretive and and never gave me a heads up on where she was going. Like she had like 10 names by the end of the show. That was <laughs> right. the, under the floor, Octavia Blake, Sky Ripa, Blood Rain, da, 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 like, I, to keep coming up with these new characters only to like an episode at a time per week to not bore people or let anybody down, including myself, was a tall tale for me. So I'm proud of that because um, I don't know. I see fans with tattoos of Octavia on them and I've had people hand me little infant babies and said, I, I just got back from Mexico and I was playing beach volleyball and a couple handed me a baby from Argentina and said, we named this baby Octavia after you. Like, it's pretty cool to see how global the show has gone. So I'm proud of that. That was pretty amazing. 
good for you. I think that when you work on something for that long, you don't always realize the impact it has on people, on society, on the world. And it's a show that, yes, it has a lot of darkness, but it brings so many people together through the incredible fandom, you know? Yeah, it has the shock value. And I feel like that's what TV needs nowadays is that shock value because we've all seen so much at this point. So that's something the people that haven't seen the 100 that are listening can expect from the show for sure. And I like that the cast seems at least, you know, on screen, such like a tight knit family. I mean, did you just have so much fun with everybody working those long hours and running through the forest and, and just putting in the work? Did you have any downtime? Did you have any fun? Some weeks we'd work like 90 hour weeks. So we spent a lot of time together indeed. And we were in Vancouver, British Columbia in the GVRD rainforest. So we kind of had the best office ever. It was just beautiful and glorious. And for me, I'm an outdoorsy kind of gal. So I really enjoyed that. And we all grew together. We were on the show for so many years together to watch each other change as artists and as people. And, you know, even Eliza and Bob got married and they have a baby now. Like, you know, like... Art really did imitate life in so many wonderful ways. I love Octavia because she is a warrior. I mean, at the end of the day, throughout all the different versions of her, she's a warrior. Do you, as Marie Avgeropoulos, feel like you have developed a warrior mentality throughout the years and throughout the course of your life unrelated to the show? Yeah, absolutely. I think I was lucky in that sense that the writers created the warrior mentality within Octavia because Marie already had it within herself. Absolutely. Um, I'm a tough gal. I love to ride my Harley Davidson motorcycle. I love to dirt bike around. I love to play my drums behind me here. I always grew up a little bit of a tomboy for sure. So that's what makes it fun to bring that sort of aspect of me on screen as well. Cause I just enjoy it. I feel like a big kid. I think there's something to be said for, having a strong female badass lead that is a warrior because we all go through shit in our lives right it's whether it's present or past you know for you is there is there a moment that you can distinctly remember where you had to channel your inner warrior to get through something oh yeah lots lots of times which one do i want to share with you now um here i can mention one the other day i went dirt biking and thought i could just figure this out in joshua tree like for my very first time I've dirt bike lots, but never in deep sand. So the trick is in deep sand, for those of you that haven't dirt bike, let alone in deep sand, and to avoid all these like crazy spiky cactuses, is to speed up when your bike starts fishtailing behind you. And it's terrifying because your instinct is to slow down. So I was flying through it, fishtailing, bah, hit the front brake, flew over the handlebars, landed on the ground. I have a huge scrape here, big bruise on my hip. And I was like, fuck. And I was just pissed. Pick up the bike, drive it back home. Next day, don't want to. Nope. <laughs> Told my friends, I'm like, I'm not going. Yesterday annoyed me. I was like all bleeding still and a little bruised up, sore. You know, I'm not exactly a spring chicken anymore. And I'm like, you know what? Get the hell back on that bike and do it again. And that totally goes with anything in life. You know, when you fall down, you got to get back up and... Even this business has taught me that entertainment is tough, as you know, to break into, to stay into, to stay relevant. So on days that I'm feeling beat up by the word no, I remember that it's so important to have thick skin in life, whether it's with your activities, with your relationships or with your career. So that's just an experience I had the other day that reminds me of your question. 
That's incredible. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for keeping the mentality of I need to put one foot in front of the other and just keep on going. And like you said, you were scared after that happened, right? You didn't know if you want to do it again. You were pissed off, but you said, "Mm -hmm. yeah, totally. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it and prove to myself and that damn dirt bike that I can do it again. That's, I think, very applicable to so many people, especially the physicality of feeling like a warrior, right? Emotionally, is there a situation where you feel like you're proud of the warrior that you were with how you handled something? I know you mentioned the industry and there was a rejection or does anything else come to mind personally and emotionally where you feel proud of the warrior you were throughout you know, that situation? Okay. When I was 20 years old and in acting school in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, I was having trouble breathing and I got news quickly that I had a tumor sitting in my hips all the way up to my neck area. It's called the teratoma tumor. One in a million people get this thing. And it was literally my twin. I currently have 37 staples in my chest and I had to drop out of acting school because they told me I had two weeks to live or otherwise I would have had a stroke. Mm. Tumor started like, you could see it sticking out the side of my neck. Not anymore. It's gone. I have a big scar here now. Hence my choker. It's covering it. Anyways, so that was a personal story, definitely, that scared the living daylights out of me. I had to drop out of acting school and I auditioned against thousands of girls to get into this school. And I had to leave until the following semester. I had to fly to Toronto to Cedar sinai Hospital. And I wasn't sure what it was. I thought it was cancer. And they pulled it out and they told me it had hair, teeth, fingernails and sweat glands in it that I was supposed to be a twin. And it's a very rare benign tumor that grows quickly. And I didn't care as long as it wasn't cancer. I was like, less, thank God. But I had to go back. I had to go back to school the following semester and, you know, with stitches all across my throat. And I was 20 and scared, but I did it. And I went back a second time. And I'm glad I did, because at that very moment, that taught me that I was brave. Yeah. And also uh, health is wealth. So I was so grateful for that. So in terms of an emotional standpoint, I guess that's one of my top five. <laughs> wow. Sure. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. That's a lot to go through. And what strikes me about that story is you don't seem to be someone who lives in fear because going through something like that, you very easily could be someone that's like, you know what, I'm just going to be low profile and not go out a lot and not do adventurous things. And But you kind of went the opposite way. I feel like you're dirt biking. You're an adventure seeker. You're an adrenaline junkie, right? Did that shape you at all to be who you were? Did you always have that in you? I think my hometown growing up in Thunder Bay, Ontario, Canada shaped me into that because there wasn't much to do. So to your options were to go outside and like do stuff like the fishing and camping and just chopping your own firewood and hanging out with your friends, playing music around, around the campfire. That sort of shaped me in, into who I was, I think, or it definitely helped. But I think it's important for the fans and for anybody really, which I'm so thankful to hear the stories from fans when they tell me stuff like this is to stare fear with the face of bravery instead that it the conclusion is always a better option that way and i think that's another reason why your character resonates with so many people and you know by the end especially people just really 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 develop such a deep connection to you was it hard for you to figure out who marie was without octavia when you wrapped the show <laughs> no <laughs> not at all i'm really good at turning things on and turning them off in my mind again maybe that's where therapy came into play to not i wouldn't take octavia home with me i would leave her on set after i would take my costume off in my trailer and hang her up if i had to spend the whole day like crying my head off over something that she was going through that day i would i'd go home and laugh it off no that's a super healthy way to be i think no matter what industry you're in if you can go home at the end of the day and realize that there's other sides to who you are and not always carry work around I think that makes for the most interesting people, right? Yeah, I'm just an actress. I'm not a surgeon or something. Those are the real heroes, doctors and stuff. (laughs) Just an actress who reaches and makes a lot of people feel seen and and valued and loved. So don't take that away from what you do, because I truly think artists are some of the equally most important people out there for what they do in terms of lifting people's spirits like yourself, you know? I appreciate that. And you get to connect us with everybody else. So your position is pretty amazing, too. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Marie. What would people be the most surprised by when they think of who you are and who who their vision of who Marie Afteropolis is? I sleep with a blankie that my grandmother crocheted for me. Still? Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. Why? She was like one of the most important people in my life. She lived a very long time. She lived till she was 97. Oh, bless her. um, I had the blankie since I was a very small kid. And I was shooting a movie once called Tracers. This is an embarrassing story, but I'll share it with you. Why not? 
I like you. I was shooting a movie called Tracers in New York City, opposite Taylor Lautner a long time ago. And I left Blanky in the bed and I didn't put it in the suitcase. I'm always cognizant to put it in the suitcase. So the the people that do up the room don't just like think it's garbage because it looks like a couple pieces of string that's like used to be white and now it's not. <laughs> and so anywho, Blanky got scooped up and sent away to the cleaners and they never found Blanky again. And I went up to the cleaning staff crying as a grown ass woman saying, you have to find Blanky. You don't understand what you just did to me. And she was like, oh, and I'm like, I will offer an award. I'll do whatever. Blanky never came back. So thankfully, grandma was still alive then. And she made me a backup before she passed. I was like, yes. So um, I got Blanky squared now. Blanky version 2.0. And you never leave it out of your sight, I'm sure. Oh, God, no. I could show you Blanky if you want. I'm going to need a picture of that later. That's I, you know, But I love that. I love that you hold close things that, you know, come from family. I'll and that send I sent you a photo. You better send me a photo. That's awesome. I had a I had a blanket for a while throughout my my childhood. But if it was handmade from a family member, I would have kept it. Yeah. I have to ask you this question on behalf of all the fans who want more of okay. Octavia in their lives. Would you ever, 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 ever bring her back in any way, shape, or form? Yes. Wow. Of definitive yes. Yeah, of course I would. I feel like the Blood Raina season needs its own show Ooh, have you pitched that maybe we can just tell the warner brothers gods up there that are listening that would be fun so you would do that i would totally do that yeah i think there's room for that and i think what's exciting in this age we're living in now is it's very possible it's not like you're saying it and it's like yeah i don't know it i mean it can happen anything can happen that's the beauty of the world that's awesome i love that idea now I am so interested when I talk to people, what would be a piece of who you are as Marie that you think, you know, might need a little TLC, might need to shine her up a little bit, give her a little extra love that maybe not everybody from a distance would know is a piece that you're working on for yourself. And if that's a piece you could take off and acknowledge that needs that love, what is that piece? Oh, I'm stubborn. So that's definitely something I'm, I've am i been trying to work on in most recent times, definitely. I'm pretty set on like when I want something, I, I do it. And I think that's been a, a large part of my resilience within my success. But sometimes I, I think I could just take the edge off a little bit and, not, you know, soften her up a little. <laughs> do you think being stubborn affects personal relationships sometimes? Yes and no. I mean, I'm going to say no and in regards to the people in my life that are close to me, I've got a really awesome core group of friends around me and they just know that's kind of like, oh, there's Marie the tomboy. There's, you know, but they know I'm a lover at the same time too. And I'm a Gemini. I got both sides. So it's it's always nice to explore and uh, be grateful for that. Yeah, 100%. I'm an Italian from Jersey. I could be a little well, stubborn. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. I could be a little set in my ways. Um, <laughs> but I think it's cool to acknowledge that. And for me, you know, my husband says sometimes you have to stop talking to let me speak. <laughs> like if, we're <laughs> if we're debating something, he'll start talking and I'll cut in because I'm a little stubborn. So I appreciate you do for a living too. You know, this is literally what you do. So 
Well, it's funny when I interview people, I, I'm like so quiet as can be. And I jump in when it's appropriate because I want to hear your story. But in real life, I don't shut up. I'm like, you know, the Energizer <laughs> bunny. Sometimes, especially when I want to prove a point. So sometimes I have to reel it okay. in, take a step mm -hmm. back and say, it's okay. It's all right. <laughs> I love but, that. But I, I think that's cool that it's a piece that you know you want to work on. I think when we all can acknowledge parts of us that need a little TLC, that's where the magic happens, right? If I meet someone and they're like, mm, I'm good. There's nothing I'm working on. I'm like, oh, shit, we're not going to be friends. Yeah, absolutely. No, we all have things to work on for sure. Lord knows I have a laundry list. Yeah. Yeah, we all do. We all do. What is something that you want to see for yourself in the future? Personally, professionally, what do you want to see for you? Professionally, I would love to shoot a comedy, which I just did not long ago. And hopefully it comes out so you guys can see it. I had the most fun, I think, bucket list wise on that set than I have in a while. I just laughed my head off and it, it's just so ridiculous to say out loud the dumbest shit you've ever heard in your life with a straight face. It's so much fun. The movie's called Super Dicks because I play a dickhead cop. <laughs> and the stuff that comes out of my mouth is ridiculous. So hopefully that with Kim Coates, who's great. I love his work. I'd like to do more comedy and maybe like a fantasy. And that would be a lot of fun for me. And any music in the pipeline? Music's coming down the pipeline. It is. Yeah. Really? Like this uh -huh. year? Yeah, hopefully I get my shit together by the end of the year. For get your shit together. We want some music. All right. Yeah, I can't wait for it. And I love chatting with you. You know, this show, I was thinking about the people who I wanted to come on as my first few guests. You were immediately someone who came to mind because I think that not only are you such a brilliant artist, I think you are such a compassionate and kind and just cool person. I know you do a lot of humanitarian work and giving back and I love your outlook on life. And you're just somebody to me who likes to seize the day and make sure you're taking every second of your life to fully enjoy it and to me that's so admirable thank you i really appreciate that and i'm flattered and honored that someone like you would say that and congrats on your new show and i'm happy to chat with you and the fans whenever you want oh uh, thank you thank you i hope you enjoyed your experience i did i feel like we took flights my friend <laughs> i'm sending you love and thank you thank you for hanging all right i'm sending you a picture of blankie i can't wait okay Bye. I've Never Said This Before is hosted by me, Tommy D'Addario. This podcast is executive produced by Andrew Puglisi at iHeartRadio and by me, Tommy, with editing by Joshua Kolodny. I've Never Said This Before is part of the Elvis Duran Podcast Network on iHeart Podcasts. For more, rate, review, and subscribe to our show. And if you like this episode, tell your friends. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Tommy D'Addario. Notorious Scott Summers hater Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 